Custom Ink can help you recognize employees, show customer appreciation, and outfit your teams with your favorite products and brands customized with your logo. At customink.com, you can easily make your mark on all sorts of products, including water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and so much more. Make Custom Ink your go-to business partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to custominc.com to get started today. Hello, everyone. How are you today? This is Jim the Keys bartender. I'm going to have to uh, start with a little upbeat here, but I just want to be upbeat for you guys. But wearing the keys is beautiful. It's getting warmer down here. It is getting warmer. That's what it's going to be. uh, In the words of Danny Dang, a guy I used to work with shortly, Danny Dang, the famous Danny Dang, who once told me about how he spent some time in jail and I asked him for what and he says well I had this girlfriend and I was waiting for the story I'm sorry I'm shaking this drink I drink normally uh, that his girlfriend came over and she wanted to break up with him and she wouldn't let him out of his apartment and he trapped her in there for fault and that's false imprisonment I mean yes imprisonment it should be called imprisonment because only the state really could imprison somebody, right? So, Danny Dang also, who is a, he's a Vietnamese. He came during the, I guess in 1974-75 at the end of the Vietnam War. He also said when a woman walked through the, the door no more than three feet away from us, he goes, Dag! That woman's so hot. But he used to say, it's going to be a hot summer. And he used to say that all the time, every day. Like, it's going to be a beautiful day. How are you today? Blah, blah, blah. Danny was, it's going to be a hot summer. Well, it's going to be a hot summer. I have to say. And while I'm saying things about people I know, there's a regular from The Catch and he, he's fallen on hard times. I'm not going to say his name, but he was a regular. He's come in after work all the time. And he uh, had a mishap this past week. And I'm going to have to, I guess there's only so much I can hide, but there's no really hidden thing with it. The guy fell down his steps going up from his apartment and broke his arm in three places. And I guess he was at a commission for a little while and then finally someone came and helped him and took him to a hospital. But he was in delirium at the time. And I don't know if it was brought up by alcohol or by the, the, the injury or whatever. And for a couple of days he was in kind of a disillusion. And the doctors or the medical people at the hospital he was taken to up in Miami, said that he's lucky he didn't die because his organs are beginning to fail. And a lot of that has to do with drinking. The guy has a drinking problem. And uh, he has to go, after he has this operation, 
and they couldn't operate him because they worried about his organs failing. Uh, they had to wait a couple of days and you know rehydrate him and things like that. I guess I, I we got some of the details from his ex girlfriend who looks after him, and I guess we all should be looking out for after him. But he's a grown man, uh, just a couple months younger than I am, and. It's the thing about the job. I'm serving some of the people I serve have issues with the substance I serve them, alcohol. I do too. I mean, obviously, if you listen to the show more than a couple episodes, you'll know that I've professed to be an alcoholic. And I haven't drank in, it's going on 16, 16 months next week. Well, I realize a lot of people have that issue and stuff like that, but I still do those things. It's the way I make a living. And it's kind of a quandary for me that I have to do the thing that I love to do. I love to be a bartender. I love the social aspects of it, how I interact with people, meeting people, especially in in this tourist community, uh, tourist destination, but I also have my regulars. And I have to balance out what, you know, I'm serving something that some people have issues with. Some people have issues with food. That doesn't stop people from producing it. And they can be almost, you can have a a problem with it. And there's people that cut themselves, but you still, if you make, you can make cutlery, you don't have to, you know, feel ashamed that some people are going to have a problem with it, but that's just what you do. Well, I'm dispensing it, and I try to tell some of them every so often. I I tell friends or people I'm close to, I'm saying, listen, I understand you're going through a hard time. I think a lot of your hard time has to do with the amount of this substance you take in. I don't want to say they're an alcoholic because only you can say you're an alcoholic and things like that. But I realize there's a lot of people that I I, I deal with or as, as a portion of the people I deal with who have issues with it. And there's nothing really I can do because they're adults. Most Almost all of them are adults and they know that they have this problem. It's not new to them, I'm sure. But sometimes they don't see a way out. And that's why I worry about this regular. He, he's he been doing it for so long and it's his way of life. Coming in for a shot and a beer, shot and a beer. Always does about one more shot than he has about the beers and then he moves on about his business. He doesn't get too tanked where at where I am. But I know he must do that at home. He likes to go out, socialize for a little while and then he... Then he goes back to his his apartment and does whatever he does there. <clears throat> and I wish I could just, if I could just be able to bestow on these people saying, listen, there is an alternative. That life does not have to end. Look at me. I mean, if you think, I would not suggest that if you have for someone who has a problem drinking, that they work in the business <clears throat> or be around it, habituate at places where. But if that's the only thing you know, you might have to not go there and you may have to find something else. 
to do with your time. And that's the big problem, it looks like. He says, this is where my friends are. This is the things I do. They just got to see something else. And there's, when I'm not in work, I don't go to other bars. I used to. I used to do it all the time. I used to spend a lot of time in bars. I used to work in a bar and I used to spend time in a bar. And sometimes I spend the whole day there. And I do not look down upon those that do that. Because I didn't realize there was another alternative. I had no idea that there was an alternative for me. I realized there was an alternative, and I thought that alternative was a, a sterile existence. A sterile, bland, boring existence. That's the problem. And that's sometimes ourselves telling us this. That, you know, I don't want to do that because I'm missing out on something. And yeah, you're missing out on certain things. Obviously, when you change what you do, you're missing out on certain things. You're not going to see that stuff. But you're really not missing out if you think about the detriment that sometimes you put yourself in. And here I am, the Keys bartender, telling you, if you have a drinking problem, please seek out some help. I don't want to spend the whole day doing that because I know realize most of my listeners are people that imbibe on a regular basis. And I realize most of them don't have a problem. So I'd like to leave that thing and we'll get to a happier, happier occurrences right now. One of the happy occurrences, I'd have to say, it's happy in a negative way, I guess. Uh, there's this thing I've seen on the Internet. Some people mention it a couple of times where people will take money when they come into an establishment. And I assume it's a regular establishment. Could be twenty dollars, it could be five dollars, it could be ten dollars, and someone will lay out ones. And they'd start taking them away when the person that's serving them does something that they don't think is in line with good service. And I think it's more I hear it so much, but I I'm in as exposed to a similar volume that a lot of other people, I'd say I'm in a higher volume than a lot of bartenders are at, but not the highest. But I spend enough time to notice things. And I realized if someone had done that to me, and me, I hope it's not any different people treat me different because I'm a, a large, older man relatively fit that they don't do it and they just take it out on people that are less intimidating but they start taking you know to to do that I would just say hey um, that's not going to work you're going to get the same service either way and so why don't we just put that away because that's ridiculous and if they don't tip me for that I'll just say hey listen you know what you can go, I will go away from this table with my head held high. But you're going to have to leave this table with the realization, if you don't realize that you're an asshole, at least the person serving, serving you realizes that you're an asshole. And maybe the people you're with and that are around you, that you are an asshole. And that's your curse. And I love that curse. Meaning... You may not even realize. You may not realize you're a douchebag. You may realize I'm a person that wants what they want and I like doing what I want. 
when I want. Of course. You know, and you can, there is a possible, there is a way of doing that without infringing on other people's sensibilities. There, there is a way of doing it without being a douchebag or an asshole. Um, in Philadelphia, we used to call you a jitbag. That was a good, that was an old saying. Someone um, mentioned, my daughter asked, uh, she, they, there's a terminology, my wife asked me, fugly. And uh, my daughter mentioned it to my wife, and she was someone written on the board, and and we're talking about the use of it, and Abby says, "Well, that's a you know that's that's just a new terminology," and I said, "That is not new terminology, because forty three years ago, I remember this fat blonde kid who was fugly calling a girl fugly." And I did not have the wherewithal or the presence to say, hey, listen, maybe you should shut the fuck up. Calling someone fucking ugly. But uh, where I don't know what the point was with that. But my point is that you got to have to be somewhat self-aware when you do things in life. Right? You're not just walking through this world as a vacuum. Unless there's, I guess that's a sociopathic, psychopathic tendency people have of the circle. I would call it, I used to call this circle of empathy. How big is the circle of empathy that you have? Is it just you? Is it just you and your family? Is it you, family, and friends? You, family, friends, and people like you that you put into your group? You know? There are people, and it's their stages of it. Like, and there are damaged people out there, and it's a shame because that's all they know. It's all they fucking know. They cannot be appreciative of other people's achievements without trying to snipe at them, and they don't know how to be kind to other people. They just realize they say, "Well, I'm, I have a limited." I guess they come to a unconscious conclusion. I have a, a limited social set of skills to be able to make myself effective but this tactic of putting five one dollar bills on the table and explaining to the server that I will take it away every time they screw up and then leave it I mean that's kind of silly because if you meet a person that's like yourself that's stupid enough to do something like that you might realize that this person that's serving you could be as stupid as you and once you start taking money away, they may start thinking about things like, well, I'll start, you, you start taking things off the table, I start putting things in your items. I won't say what that is, but why would you fuck around with that? Why would you fuck around? I never understand why someone would fuck around with someone that doesn't know the whole chain of custody of their food and drinks. Do you think most people are frightened of you? Remember, the most celebrated people in history, kings, queens, popes, chieftains, whatever you want to call them, they used to have poison, uh, people that used to be food tasters. Because people used to poison them. That was the most common way to kill a monarch or a leader at one time. 
poisoning. The most common. It was a coward's way of doing it. You just say, well, listen, if you have an opportunity, you don't even have to be the person that's doing the serving. You just have to have access to the food. Right? So if you're going to be a, a jerk, what if someone says, well, I'm not... I'm going to relieve the server of the guilt, you know, the person sees it, of hurting that person. I'll do it for them because they don't seem to have the stomach for it. And they, they, they've done it for years. So the most common way to assassinate someone was poisoning for years. So I wouldn't use that platform, food service, to make a statement upon your philosophy on service and service delivery and how it should be compensated. I would make sure that's at home. And if people that are well-known, God damn, I never get that thing. If uh, poor Steve Buscemi, he did that whole uh, discussion in the Reservoir Dogs. I'm sure that people, you know how people get upset at the villain in soap operas and movies and they yell at him like the actor is that person. Well, I'm, I would imagine there were some people thought Steve Buscemi was that character and didn't believe that tipping was a requirement. So I'm sure there's people like that. So, I mean, why would you why would you want to walk around with a persona that you're antagonizing the people that you're taking care of? It's just interesting. I mean, if anybody tries... I mean, it's just the way I want. I try not to work a job where I'm not able to walk away from it. And luckily, I've had good employers. If if someone isn't, sometimes, you know, you're in certain industries and you get compensated in such a way that you can never be compensated like that again. So you'll accept abuse from people. You'll just accept it because, you know, you don't think that you could ever be compensated that way again or be in that position again. So... I'm just going to suck it up. Well, fortunately, you know, you don't have enough confidence in your skills because you probably can do a lot of different things. If you're able to do that and work in an environment, you could probably work in another environment like that. And it's important not to to understand that when you're working someplace, you don't have to put up with certain things. And there's, it's, it seems to be our lowest paid Workers in our society that are held up to such abuse on a regular basis. Uh, I realize firemen and, and police officers and doctors and nurses and stuff like that. They're putting in, they're in, dealing with people that are already sick. I'm talking about regular abuse from the general public. It seems to be people at entry level jobs. I get it every so often from someone. But I come into contact with a lot of people, and some of them are under influence of another substance. A lot of them are. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I get it nearly as much as other people. And it kind of sucks. But we're going to move on there. So I wanted to talk about something that I saw in the news. And it reminded me again of things I've done in previous episodes. This past Wednesday in Daytona Beach, Florida. And it's not the Keys, but I have to include this in there because someone, 
there was an article in my news feed and it said uh, a 2008 Hyundai and the driver with a 2008 Hyundai jumps a drawbridge and they had the video to prove it. And I was expectantly looking for, and they mentioned Dukes of Hazard and said, you know, scrum diddly dum doom 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 the duke boys are up to something new here you know something like that you think something stupid like that well what happened is this person broke through the arm and they went over uh, they showed on the video and when they showed it it was less than inspiring the guy got a little air but about the same amount of air that pedro gets in a napoleon dynamite when he goes off the uh he goes off the jump. It just barely had lifted up, but he got it. He I mean he probably got pretty much the same amount of air as a seventy-five-year-old guy uh, in a retirement village with his scooter, you know, going at a decent speed over a speed bump. You know, I mean, I'm sure if that happens to a guy on a on a scooter, that all his shit, his oxygen tank and stuff like that, is going every which way but loose. But I don't know if they even can go that fast where they're. They kind of explode, but it just wasn't that inspiring. But it reminded me of suggestions, and I had suggestions for improvements, civic improvements. And one was down here in the Keys, and I never understood why the high-speed chase occurs in the Keys, because we, as a regular listener, and if you're a new listener, just know this, that we are tethered to the mainland by a highway. And it's two roads coming in and coming out. There's not a lot of side roads to go up and, and back. And there, there aren't any. There's two roads. So, and you can pretty much get to one choke point up, uh, you know, within 100 yards of each other. That's where they deposit themselves when they come up to the mainland. Within, they're within 100, 200 yards of each other. And so that's it. I mean, you could go south, but if you go south, you the biggest, you could get in a marathon, you can get in, but there's not a lot of roads in marathon and stuff like that. You can go a couple miles, but you're not, you're not, you're not going to miraculously disappear in, in Key West or marathon and things like that. So why someone does a high-speed chase through the keys, you know, eventually they're going to get you. And barely, I don't know, I'm going to have to do a little research on that, but I don't know what the record is for the amount of people that gotten out of the keys while being chased. I'm not talking about people and, and not getting caught. I'm not talking about people that weren't being chased. You could be speeding and not being chased. And that they say that's one of the new tactics in Monroe counties, they're not going to do the high speed chase in order to, and I, I, I kind of agree with that, you know. It's dangerous down here. There's a lot of roads that are, that come right up to the highway. I mean, driveways. There's driveways. People come out of their driveway right onto the highway. So it's not like an interstate. Interstate, every so, you know, you got at most once every mile you have an exit. Here you could have people coming in and out of the highway. Every 100, 200 feet. So that's a lot to go on. So I had a suggestion in uh, Almorada, we have a drawbridge. And I said, why not put some several cameras there 
had them situated, uh, that they were ready to go. High quality cameras, you know. I'm not saying, not you know, a little better than one of those cameras you get in a bank. You know, a nice high resolution, high speed camera, and it could cost a couple thousand dollars. Saying having six cameras, three, three and three, or four and four, six, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars. And you say, well, that's a big outlay for that. Well, that's not the biggest outlay. The biggest outlay would be the cargo nets on either side. Depending on where the person is coming from, you'd have uh, to drop heavy-duty cargo nets because we're not going to leave it to chance because it's the landing that could cause the real big problem. Not necessarily the taking off. It's always that. It's always coming back down to earth. That's a problem. So what we do is we set it up, start, get the chase, call in the people and say, hey, listen, we got a runner. And about a couple miles out, let's say if they're going 100, 150 miles out, hour, you got like three miles. You got a minute. So you put in the thing, you clear the road, try to clear the road as much as possible. Um, you know, put up the thing, let, let them... Pull off to the side. Give them a... I guess you need about five minutes. And just open it up. And do it at a... uh, Obviously, you wouldn't be able to do the one where it's 90 degrees up. You want to make it, you know, no more than 45 degrees. So they can get some air. And that may not be a good accommodation because at 45 degrees, they don't have... It's not like a ramp. It's actually a sharp angle where the road changes. So they'd, they'd have to make an accommodation, and that accommodation could be an encouragement. So there would be some legal scrutiny by the higher courts. But once someone does that, you catch them and all that, you could use the video as part of disseminating the cost. And also the fine. You know? If it's a stolen vehicle, obviously the person that had it stolen is going to pay. But if the person that ran could have it forfeited, and there could be a fine. And the fine should cover the cost even more so. And hopefully the the person won't use it. As, and people say, hey, Jim, maybe people do it on purpose. Well, they might. Who knows? Well, that was my one idea. And the other one was... Uh, with the commuter catapult, I had this idea when it came down here. The highways, there's between here and Amarada, there's uh, there's a traffic light at the uh, the school at 106, and then there's one at 101.6, another 100. There's two actually around 100, but one's a pedestrian call. So that's four. And then you got to go all the way down to Tavernier, and that's five and six, seven. Seven lights until you get down the marathon, right? And that's seven lights, seven opportunities to really cross safely over the course of 50 miles. That's it. So the commuter catapult. Now, before. When I suggested the commuter catapult, I didn't give a lot of thought to people's landings. It was just getting them across the road. How can you safely get them across the road? 
Well, you can get him safely across the road. It's right at the end. It's really dangerous. So that, once again, that's where we reinstitute cargo netting and get them in there. And you can charge it as a ride. Make it $50, $75. Give them a video. There'd have to be weight restrictions and things like that. Make sure people don't have parachutes because you don't want them to get up there and get slowed down and then be dropped in the middle. You know, to get like a fly on the windshield of an 18-wheeler. So the computer catapult was my idea. And then there's the hidden... uh, the sobriety camera, DUI test camera. Now... We all know about the body cam, but the DUI camera have would be a higher resolution camera, and it comes into play when someone sets up DUI, and it can be also used as evidence. But also, we'd have to make some kind of accommodation, legal accommodation, where we say, "Listen, this is a deterrence. A deterrence. It's not punitive. It's a deterrence. And it becomes punitive when people decide they don't want to." be able to come. But the deterrence is that you will always have it published. And then you can also have an option. This is where you have to get the money in to fund it. That you have the people and you have a stepped up scale for people. It starts at $500. And depending on the type of vehicle and the combination of your income or wealth, you could go up to $500,000. And the people more likely to pay it probably are the people that are able to afford more money because they don't want a picture of them at DUI, a DUI stop doing the whole thing. You know, just, you know, certain wealthy people and lawyers. Some people, obviously, they don't give a shit by the, the way they behave. Sometimes they really don't give a shit. The children of the wealthy don't seem to give a shit. But, you know, maybe the parents will pay for it. And then it could pay for itself. And they can use it, um, they can also use it, the, the horse, horsepower tax, the horsepower tax. And that goes for boats and cars. And you'd have something like, for boats up to 20 feet, you'd have 15 horsepower uh, a foot. Or maybe 20, depending on what, I don't know how much horsepower you need for that, but and then everything's considered excess. And then you're paying $10 an extra horsepower a year. So if you feel that your 30-foot boat needs 1,200 horsepower and it really only needs 800, then you pay $4,000 more a year for the privilege. And that extra money goes to the... Uh, Law enforcement, and they can buy their own go-fast boats and stuff like that. Same thing goes for vehicles, 200 horsepower, regular vehicle, and that, with the exemption for work, work trucks, right? And people say, 200 horsepower, I want it. Well, why would you want, why would you need more? Explain why would you need more, because you can say almost anything. Why would your top speed need to be over double the speed limit? I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous. It uh, does sound like an issue, though. But that's one of that's another idea. Uh, I know there's people that get pissed off at that stuff. I got the hidden bar vote cam. That's the thing. That'd be like 
the ones they use on uh, all those game shows or or on America's Got Talent where you have people that come in and they sit at the bar and everyone else has a, you know, they have a secret uh, vote on when someone comes in and you have lights over them. And when someone starts getting a little too boisterous or too rude and stuff like that, a light, you could have it like a Supreme Court. When they argue in front of the Supreme Court, they give them a certain amount of time or appellate courts. And you can give them a green, yellow, and red light. And when someone starts getting a little frisky and stuff like that, you give them a yellow light. And when they go over the boundaries, give them a flashing red light. And then when it goes to solid, they're out of there. But you'd have to make sure that there's no abuse going in there, right? Because imagine, you know, if you had some bunch of regular girls in there and stuff like that, and a super hot girl comes in and everyone starts paying attention to her. And then you get, you'd have to get a certain amount of people to do it. And you have to have a, a bartender override, I think. And, uh, and depending on the number of people, you'd have to give more weight to the people close to them. Because the people further away would have less, let's say, less of a influence on it. I think it's a, it's the idea that a time has come. So I'd like to institute that. Who knows? Okay, well, we're coming towards the end of the show. I'd like to thank you for listening. Oh, we're, there have been our multi times a year we have the helicopters come up and down the stretch with that are contracted by the Keys Co-op and I guess by the electric company and they check the power lines. And they do a very good job. Like I said, during Irma, it hit us. It was a severe impact on the Keys. We had a relatively quick, shallow recovery time. Not as, well, I guess that would be a steep, meaning... Whatever power was lost, it was restored relatively quickly, within a week. And a lot of those things weren't because they weren't restored because the houses were destroyed. The, the, the power distribution system worked great. And part of that is checking the power lines and making sure everything is good and clear. And they come up. And the first time you see it, if you're not aware of it, I mean, in big cities, you don't see it as much. You know, helicopters just hovering over certain areas right over the highway. And you think, oh, wow, this is like a police state. They're looking over roads. No, they're not looking over roads. They rarely ever do that. We, I saw that a couple times where you'd have state police or Monroe County hovering over a highway. But it's not, a, it's not one of the things they do regularly. But they do do that. And I imagine that also would be a big fucking problem for someone that's a paranoid schizophrenic helicopters just hanging by and they're just and let's say you're going north on a bike right and it's funny if you're not going that far they move relatively quick so if you're on a bike a bicycle they they could they could keep track with you you know and it could you could give you the impression that you're being tracked by the helicopter and that would probably be very interesting life to live. You think, oh, wow, this helicopter's following me around. 
And then there's the ones every so often you have Monroe County or state police and stuff. And they, I don't know what they're doing. They could be looking in the mangroves or searching for someone or just practicing. But they're up here and every couple times a year you see them and they're going through the neighborhoods with the helicopter flying up um, maybe 100, 200 feet up. <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of that happening because, you know, when a helicopter goes down, it kind of rotates down really fast and the blades are still going when it's going down they those are shards going different directions like that. i just don't like the idea of a heavy object floating over my head that's not securely fastened and a helicopter is not securely fastened it's much like those high speed passes that the uh, fighter jets do over the keys i don't understand you know just you don't have to do it over land do it on the water it's just 100 yards over this way and 100 yards over that way so you might as well do that instead of trying to impress your girlfriend or fly over your house and see if there's anybody in your house because a lot of these pilots live down here. But that's my... And I do support them. I appreciate your service. If you're you know, a pilot and stuff like that, I do. But there's, there's no reason to really fly low and fast over houses. Is there... You know, it doesn't make you... you know, buy some Viagra if you need something to make your dick hard. Um... I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank all my local listeners, uh, listeners from around, like uh, Sean from uh, Knoxville area. Uh, I got Shelby Annie, Shelby Anna, Kentucky. If you're listening, send me a message. Tell me who you are. Okay? Wanna know who you are. And Washington, Virginia. Washington, Virginia. This township of Washington, Virginia, if you're nearby. Tell me who you are. I know you downloaded a lot of shows. Tell me if you... I'd like to know uh, who you are. I promise if you don't want to be mentioned on the air, I won't mention you on the air. Or Bay Bayview, New Jersey, or was that Ohio? One or the other. That always interesting in these places, these small towns people are listening from. And anybody from India, just any text or... Send me send an email to Jim at Keys bar, uh, bartender.com. I want each of those areas to send me a... I would like them to send me an email. Tell me, I won't do anything to embarrass you and something like that. Tell me what you want. I'll do it. I won't do anything that's embarrassing. Don't say anything that's embarrassing. And say, if you want to say something embarrassing, don't tell any, Say, don't tell anyone. Okay. Because I assume if you tell me something in the email, you want me to say it. Now, I'll I'll be happy to reveal. I, I send private in messages to other listeners, but they don't have a podcast, so I don't worry about that. They can they can come and post it on my Facebook page that I tell them and stuff like that. But I do send private messages, not creepy ones. I'm not that fucking kind of guy. I don't want to piss off my listeners. I do appreciate you. And I'd like to thank you for listening. And if you are in the Keys, remember, I work at the Catch Restaurant and Bar, mile marker 102, Oceanside, open seven days a week for lunch and dinner, happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3.30, 6.30. And they do cook your catch. If you, you know, you catch fish while you're on a trip and stuff like that, come in and do that. Uh, I'd like to thank you. And if you're also the Stocks Diner, that's a uh, mile marker, 99.5 Oceanside. Great place for breakfast. 
And uh, thank you for listening. Please share the show with your friends, family. Spread it out there. And I'll talk to you later. Here's some music. Bye.